podcast has bad words. <laughs> Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'll be fine without it Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. Welcome to episode 171. Today, we're going to talk about independence. We're going to talk about rejection. We're going to talk about creating meaningful work without gatekeepers. And, and who better to do that with than a comedian? So we have a, a special guest in the studio today. Andrew Schultz is with us. Thanks, thanks so much guys. for being here. Yeah, man. Thanks for being here, dude. Of course. So, so Andrew, if you're not familiar with the, the format of the show, basically we don't do interviews. We don't usually have guests on. What we do is we help people answer their questions. When we do bring someone on, it's to, instead of just interrogate you, let's, uh, let's look at your worldview with respect to some people's questions. Cool. So uh, we've got some questions today about independence, about rejection, about creating meaningful work without gatekeepers. And that first question today is a voicemail from Vita in Norway. How should I prioritize between my creativity and my university degree? To give a little background, I'm a very creative person who loves taking pictures, writing, drawing, hand lettering, knitting, and so on. I feel like this is truly my passion, but something my father said to me once has stuck with me. He said, don't make a living out of your hobby that takes the fun out of it. And this has kept me from trying to make a living out of my creative side, which is one of the reasons why I'm t- currently taking a degree in national economics to make a living out of that. While I like my subjects, I've been inspired by listening to you guys talking about adding value to people's lives. and. I am sort of second-guessing my choice because that's what I feel like I'm doing when I'm creating art. However, the money aspects of actually making a living of my art also terrifies me. Do you have any tips? I think it's really sad that we have to talk about this where it's uh, how do I prioritize my my creativity and my university degree. Yeah. Um, it's like, fuck, we, we, we do so much... <sighs> We've been sold this meme of the American dream. I know, or actually, and, and she's in Norway. So the American dream has permeated their borders. You were over there recently, mm-hmm. Andrew. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and the thing is, we're, 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 we're given this prescription of how to, uh, I don't know, live a supposedly successful life. And if we do anything outside of that, then, man, it's, uh, well, we're doing something we're not supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think like her her dad's advice on uh, like you know don't don't make money off of your hobby like that's a way to kill it. I think he's like halfway right. Yes. And, what, and what I mean by that is is like if you force yourself to make money from your hobby, you can absolutely kill it. Because I'm I mean I'm assuming when you were like I'm going to be a comedian, you weren't like, you know what, I'm going to get rich off yeah. of telling jokes. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, you wait. You saying like I didn't think that is that, is that what you thought or I mean how did you- I never cared about money. <clears throat> yeah. You know, and uh, that's what came. I guess what came first—the money or the jokes? Oh, definitely the <laughs> jokes. <laughs> Still waiting on the money. <laughs> no, the uh, what I, I think that her father is right in a way. I think what happens is when you start doing your 
your hobby as a job, you find out what it is you really liked about your hobby. Mm. And what a lot of people don't like is business. Right. And business is business regardless of what it is. It yeah. doesn't matter if you're selling, you know, her pictures or if you're uh, you know, selling a podcast, whatever. There's a business component to anything you do. So you might just not like that. Maybe her father just doesn't like that. You know, so yeah. you you taking the picture like me, I love creating comedy. That's my favorite part, creating it, going on stage, making shows for myself and other people. Mm -hmm. The icing on the cake is when the people see it. Okay, so like it starts from like, oh, what a cool idea. Okay, I'm gonna give it to some people, and if they laugh, that's even uh, that's icing, and then money sprinkles, right? <laughs> yeah. So that, it's yeah. like I'm starting at what I love about it, and and, and operating as at that is my with that as my base point. You know, mm. if you're operating within like the success equals money matrix, you're only gonna be happy when you hit the money amount right right yeah. and you're probably not going to be happy then either because because there'll never be enough yeah the money's not going to fulfill yeah. you alone it's like being a billionaire is so stupid because like the second you become a billionaire you're the poorest billionaire yeah right it's right. like it's like you're, you're but people don't get how dumb they are like jay-z's like i want to be the first you know uh, billion you know the first hip-hop billionaire or something like that it's like you're ready to be miserable are you ready to be the brokest motherfucker at the billionaire meeting your whole life trying to be rich and then once you're a billionaire you don't want to hang out with these millionaires these poor motherfuckers you know so now you're isolated. You're on this island where you're the brokest billionaire, you know, bragging about your rented jet or whatever the fuck you do with amongst these real wealthy people. Yeah. And you can't relate to these other other folks. Uh -huh. yeah. It's just the worst matrix is defining it by my money. At well, least it's, funny, it's funny you say that, too, about the isolation of it. I, I have a, a friend who's a pastor and and uh, you know, he has a, a decent amount of wealthy uh, congregants. I don't even know. What you, yeah. People who show up to church. Yeah. And um and he said he realizes like quite often they're the ones who r will require more attention, not because they have worse problems, but the the problem of isolation is one that you it's really hard to solve with money because, yeah, you can surround yourself with people. Yes. But you're not surrounding yourself with relationships. Yes, that's true. But there's two things with that is like uh, those people have no hope. Mm. That's the thing. Like rich people have no hope. Poor people have the hope that when they when they become rich, they'll be happy, because mm. that's their carrot, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. So it's like every every rich person you talk to, everyone will say money does not make you happy. Right. Every poor person you talk to will tell you once I'm rich, I'm going to be happy. That's right. Yeah. Right. So and and it's not either of their fault. It's like you don't know you don't need something until you have it. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Like you don't know that. You didn't need a chair for this podcast. Right. Right? Until you didn't have it. You're like, all right, I guess I'll just stand. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like you and, and that's the perspective with money. It's like I learned once I made money that my lifestyle didn't change from making, you know, a quarter million dollars a year to a half million dollars a year. Like nothing changed. Yeah. My happiness didn't change. Nothing changed. I mean, mm -hmm. money just solves money problems. Money's and that's those it. are those are real problems. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm not mitigating what that is. I'm saying after a certain amount, it makes no difference. Totally agree. At least for me, yeah. you know. So like you have this situation with these rich people, they don't have hope, mm -hmm. they don't have the carrot. Mm. They have everything that they thought would make them happy and they're not. Yeah. That's why these rock stars kill themselves. Mm. Yeah. Why would you not? 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like, your whole life you thought this is what's going to make me happy, and then yeah. it didn't. Well, it's, uh, David Foster Wallace said, he, in one of his books, he wrote that most suicides are dead long before they pulled the trigger. Mm. Ooh. That's good. And, and the, the thing you talk about, Ryan, and uh, like in your TED Talk, for example, when, when you, you said, um, uh, I was living paycheck to paycheck, but I wasn't really living at all like i was alive but i wasn't living to a certain extent because right. you were focused on that one very narrow metric it's one resources and and when we don't have it it, it feels much more important than it is mm -hmm. the same is true with virtually any resource that we don't have though okay. if we don't don't have our health all of a sudden everything crashed down and that is a real resource that you can't just get back it's yeah. it's, it's not a, a you can't use other resources to to get your health back necessarily i think the first like instance of that for me was uh like in the fifth grade when I finally got a pair of like Nike Airs, and it was like you know the cheap version of Nike Air. I mean, it wasn't off brand, but it wasn't no Air Jordans, you know. Yeah. And it's like I had them, and I was happy for about five minutes. And then it goes away. Yeah, and then it's gone because <laughs> you didn't. It's like your kid with the magic trick. Mm. You didn't want them. You wanted to want them. Yeah. Mm. yeah. See the difference? Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. the carrot. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what well, we, we, we There's a reason heaven happens when you die. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know it's the carrot. Yeah. We need the carrot. Yeah. Well most people need the carrot. Like I think there's different stages. Good question, Vita. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's different stages in life, you know, where you operate and, and we've all gone through these different stages and you know, maybe one my buddy Raul calls it the you know, the vegetable stages. You're going to work, you're coming back home, you're going to work and coming back home. And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm. None of these are better than the other. They're just different stages. Mm -hmm. And next you go into like the why stage, right? You know, which is like you start contemplating things like why? Why does this cup have to look like this? You know, why why do I have to eat breakfast in the morning? Why? Like you start just asking why about weird things mm -hmm. in your life, right? And then the next stage is where shit gets tricky. This is where comedy operates, but a lot of creativity operates is things both are and aren't. Mm. Not is or isn't. Is and isn't. Right. Okay? Yeah. That's a very, like for me, that's comedy. And that is your that job. so much tension, too. It's all the tension. Right. Because yeah. we want the world to be defined in ways that we can digest it. Yeah. Either or, no. Black is and, white, and isn't. Ones and zeros. Whereas, no, it's one and zero That's here. it. The MAGA hat is a horrible hat. Is it? Yeah. You know, so is the Viking hat. People wear that. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, yeah, is like, and isn't. I, I first I first on to your work. Uh, you, you did a, a stand-up special. Uh, called 441 and it became an album 551. Yeah. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. Um, and and the thing that you do in there is you create tension. And comedy, I think, is one of the of two creative places that we can we can deal with life's most most difficult issues. Mm -hmm. uh, Kafka said. Um, Jokes are what we use to talk about life's most difficult issues. And, and he, what he meant there was like you, you can only – when something is so difficult, so complex, so fraught with, uh, with all this political tension, you see it in the news – there are two places that can that can deal with it. Jokes, and you did an amazing job in five five one with that. Uh, Ryan and I were we were uh, in Chicago. We went we had a speaking gig out there, and we we're in the airport. I'm like, hey man, you got to listen to this. And like we were 
We were sharing earphones like a, <laughs> like, a like a little couple. High school and, couple. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we had, uh, we it's because I'm romantic. That's one, why. We had one Coca-Cola with two straws. It was great. <laughs> and we were listening to it, and we were just cracking up in the like O'Hare Airport, man. And like That's people great. are looking at us like we are just total idiots. But what you were doing in there is you were talking about fraught topics and, and, and distilling it down. The only way that it makes it palatable is through humor through jokes through really good jokes and and uh, i think fiction can do that as well i, I think uh absolutely uh Mark some, Twain. yeah yeah uh, zadie smith has been she had a short story in the uh, new yorker recently where she was talking about the me too movement and it's something that if you want to have a debate about that it's just it's gonna too much you, yeah you're throwing mm-hmm. yeah you, you you're just you're throwing feces feces at, at each other whereas if you write about in fiction it it adds that that element of separation it's, it's like a cartoon yeah you can get everything you can get away with anything in a cartoon you can kill kenny every episode of this kid's show <laughs> yeah right right like like <laughs> frozen that girl is a bitch elsa <laughs> is a fucking twat <laughs> who tries to kill everybody and it's like a fun kids movie right. <laughs> so a cartoon you can actually say real shit because we're too you know what it is it's easier to show than tell mm. telling is useless right so it's like the cartoon we can show yeah and there's that little filter of separation. Like, this isn't real. And that's what happens with jokes a lot, too. It's like, if you operate in the silly part of a serious situation, it's like, okay, I can I can enjoy that. I can take try, that in. If you try to approach it like it is real, then you're going to fail. I mean, it's the worst when you have someone ask you, you know, to explain your joke to them. Oh, it doesn't work. <laughs> right. It's like it. explaining the magic trick. Yeah. yeah. I won't do it. I won't explain the joke. I'll, like, explain how we got here. Or, like, what I, I'll explain what I wanted to do with the joke. Mm. Yeah. But I'll never explain like a, a joke. This is what it now, means. Now you do yeah. you you yeah. actually do this thing on on YouTube your YouTube channel which is YouTube.com/slash the Andrew Schultz yes. I believe. Uh, we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. So you you have d- decided to sort of branch out and do your own thing, and you're creating these own shows. Yeah. And what I like about this is they don't have to conform to a particular structure. Where you're like, well, we need 22 minutes with uh, seven minute commercial breaks, and, and and no, you 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 find what works for the actual material yep. itself. Mm. And you do this one show called Inside Jokes, and what you're doing there is you take some comedian friends, you sit down in the restaurant together. And you're not explaining the jokes, but you're taking the most offensive jokes, jokes you can't even get to work in front of crowds yet. And you say, All right, let's let's dissect these together. Let's yeah. find the funny in this because I know there's something yep. here. And if I'm relating this back to Vita's question, there's probably something here. Yeah. And, and, and what I mean by that is... Okay, you have this creative side, mm-hmm. but you're also going to school for what did she say it was uh, a degree in national economics. Economics, yeah. Now, now my question for you is, ca- how can you apply creativity to that degree? Um, you you've done this, Andrew. You started out also, in comedy. Do you need a degree in that in Norway? It's like have oil. <laughs> <laughs> it's like be Saudi Arabia with snow like that's <laughs> right like, you don't really need to be genius to know the national economic situation in Norway it's like stick a spike in the ground <laughs> when that really really uh, important black liquid seeps up bottle it and then sell it to people <laughs> you're not doing anything brilliant over there Norway right? so, so when you started out in comedy uh, you you uh, that, that was your thing but then you also found a way to combine that with with other things with with just talking on the radio or talking on a podcast i first discovered you because of brilliant idiots right i showed up because of charlemagne but i stayed because of you and and, 
and I'll tell you what, man, you actually got me to listen to a damn sports podcast right. with uh, with your podcast, Flagrant Two. So, yeah. so although it's, I mean, it's it's sort of a thinly veiled sports co- we podcast. We call it a sports podcast. It's, it's not. It's, it's a comedy podcast where you occasionally, toward the end, talk about sports. But we do that as a veil for like the PC culture. Uh, right, because I was like nobody that's like a like so angry on Twitter, or social justice warrior, like sports. Like th- that Venn diagram doesn't exist, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> right. cancel this guy doesn't also like the Eagles, right? Like <laughs> so, if I call it that, I keep all those people away, and then we can really talk about what we want to talk about. We can be flagrant. We can be you know offensive. We can make the jokes that everybody makes in private in a public space, and that's really what everybody is. Grab- gravitated towards it's like this like two hours of normalcy in their week they're like fuck i I, i'm hearing the same jokes that i make with my friends other people making i don't feel so lonely there's this community aspect to it yeah Yeah. but but you do so in a way where you capture the sentiment of what's what's Mm. going on in, in sort of people's heads i think yeah 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 and then yeah you can talk about uh sports occasionally yeah yeah, <laughs> you, you can shit the one, on. <laughs> the one problem with the sports thing is it does deter uh, the majority of women from showing up, and it's like these women just aren't really into that sports. I mean, we do have our lady assholes, our our, our, uh, our the they're, yeah, they're, they're called assholes. The ass, <laughs> with, the, with the asshole army, right? Because the show is analysis by assholes, right? So, and um, they do show up, but it is also a filter for them, uh-huh. and you know, there's certain places that have done a great job of like engaging women, even in sports content, like Barstool did a great job, you know? So I got to think of my next, the next thing I got to do is like bring women into the flagrancy because when they're at the shows, they love it. Uh You know, they listen to Brilliant Idiots, they love it. They're there for it. It's just finding a way to tap into them and, and help them get on board. And that's the next, the next project I'll probably do will be about like, like decoding the fuck boy. (laughs) <laughs> that's good, I think man. yeah that's I think good. that's what it like because every couple of years women need a manual for men it just it says the same thing right it's like every two years it's like he's not that into you every two years there's a new book that says the exact same thing but I'll do that in a way that's like hey I'm gonna help you you know not lie to yourself about the dates you're going on yeah man I, I love the recipe that we kind of like I feel like we kind of uncovered here a little bit so regardless of what Vita does uh, if she's putting money first with her economic economics degree or with her art like that's a problem it doesn't matter what she what she inserts there if money is first Mm -hmm. that's going to be an issue especially when it's first by a long shot yes so the the recipe that I'm seeing here is I'm so angry at Vita (laughs) (laughs) you have nothing to lose yeah Vita you're in Norway you (laughs) physically can't be homeless right you physically can't be broke. You can ju- you can say I'm not going to work anymore, and the government will give you food and give you shelter. Yeah. If there's anybody who should just fucking go for it, everyone in Norway should be an artist. Why you guys do anything else is besides me. I have no clue. I would be a fucking painter if I lived yeah. in Norway. Yeah. Get into oil or get into art over there. That's right? it. It's like you have nothing to lose, Vita. If oh. you stay home, if not, go do your art, and then. Truly find out what you like about the art. Do you like the creative process? Do you like selling it? You might like selling it. Yeah. You might like the hustle. You That might be something that interests you. Find your interest. But if you have something that you enjoy doing and you have the opportunity to do it during the day, fucking do it. Yeah. So, Jesus. So, so here's a recipe I think we got for Vita. Is first, put first your what you like. Put, put first your, your passion, like cultivating that passion. I don't want to say live your passion. That is like... 
some overrated ass of advice that Josh uh-huh. and I talk about a lot. <laughs> yeah. But but I, I think that you should cultivate your passion. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two is solve a problem. So when people are laughing, like you're making them laugh. That's that's you know that is that is uh, solving a problem for those people. They want to laugh. You give them jokes. Mm-hmm. And then three is the money. So so if you go at it in that order, you're gonna feel way more complete, Vita. If you're just putting money first, like yeah, that's that's a problem. Your dad's right. If you want to kill your hobby, just start thinking about how you're gonna make money off of art. That's a great mm-hmm. point. And that's, that's go- it. And that's, that's how you kill your hobby. Yeah, that's how you kill your hobby. Yeah, we, we did a we did a whole podcast episode with a musician who moved to Nashville to pursue his dream, and uh, when he got down there, he was basically st- stuck writing corporate jingles. This was uh, Paul from Canyon City. And he's like, it totally destroyed his love for music. And he, in fact, he had to walk away from it. He went to go work at Home Depot yeah. just so he could walk away for a while, walk back to his actual music where the money wasn't first. He wasn't doing it just for the the record contract or the, the paycheck from the, the radio station. And it changed everything for him. And eventually, as you start solving those problems, as you start making people laugh, the money starts to show up. Dude, you know how lucky you are, Vita, that you have something you like to do? Mm. Like, so... So few people have things they like to do. Yeah. Like, that's why TV exists. Because people don't have things they like to do. Mm. Right? They're like, all right, fuck it. I'll just sit here and I'll watch the show because that will distract me from doing nothing, which is what I was going to do before. <laughs> you have an yeah. activity you like to do. You can do it in the day. You can do it at night. You can do it literally 24 hours if you want. You can travel around the world taking pictures. It's like, what a fucking gift that you have something you enjoy right yeah, that's crazy yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. I, I can't tell you how many people like they'll they'll send in a question how do i uncover my passion how do i find th- how, how do i figure out which hobbies i like best i totally agree vita knows what she likes best boom she's got it it's over you are the battle is done or whatever the yeah i don't know <laughs> what that that term is but you're fine what time you got you know what time it is it is time for our lightning round where we answer questions from social media indeed so uh andrew uh the minimalists we're on twitter at the minimalists uh, and and what facebook and instagram you're at andrew schultz on on all the relevant platforms yes they can find you there and usually what we do during this lightning round is we answer questions with just a short shareable less than 140 character response mm-hmm. but don't worry we really just ramble on a little bit and hopefully find something <laughs> to tie it up with uh, it, tie it up with a bow yeah and if end. you can't tie something up with a bow podcast Sean will tweeze it out for you and, got him yeah, make yeah. you look good man Thanks, yeah so what, what's our first question Ryan our first question is from Bilda I've created a new product slash invention congratulations that's awesome Bilda if you were me, how would you go about creating demand for it? Man, here's here's the problem. Like, if I, my my short answer is a cart has never pulled a horse. Um, <laughs> and, and if you're if you're walking around with a solution looking for a problem, that's how you create you're the de- pharmaceutical demand. industry. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes, I guess the answer is like clinical trials. This great drug. I need to make some AIDS so it can cure it. <laughs> 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 so so oh, um yeah truth. i mean I, I i don't know i think i think the opposite is true you go out and you solve you solve problems as ryan was saying earlier you look for a problem to solve you you look my guess is in comedy or in podcasting mm-hmm. andrew what what do, what do you do with respect to like creating a demand for the podcast i don't think that even comes Demands up in your exist, it, bro. right your, your thought process is, yeah. isn't like i'm gonna create a demand with this podcast no 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 demands have to exist that white space has to be there i get the white space is what we refer to like a, a space in the market that where nobody's tapped into it just yet mm. and that's got to exist organically mm. and you have to hope the thing that you love to do lines up with it 
yeah. it just so happened like i've been doing the same comedy for years society shifted right mm-hmm. so then it, it turned me from a guy who was you know edgy doing this kind of comedy back in the day to a guy now who's brave I never looked at myself as brave, but people are like, yo, you do these jokes in this climate? What? That's crazy. So I was like, oh, we need to create a space for this. How do I create a space for this? I need to insulate myself, make it so that nobody can take anything away from me. Am I dependent on a network? Am I dependent on these different things? I was. Okay, create independence. Mm. Podcast, Patreon, et cetera. Okay, I've got a little bubble. I've got the crew. I've got everything. Now I can really put out the content. And what are they going to do? Cancel me? They can't. They don't have anything to cancel. Right. Right? So it's like, if you have... A solution, I guess she said. I don't know what she said. She, has, she said, uh, so Bella says, I created a new product slash invention. How do I go about creating demand So yeah, she's got a solution. It? If you have a solution, then there should be a problem. That yeah. The demand is already there. If you have a solution, there's a demand. Uh-huh. All you need to do is give it to somebody. Yeah. Give it to someone who has the problem. What's the product? Does she say? No. Uh-uh. She's worried we'll, we'll take it <laughs> or something like that. That's what happens. That's what we do. We, uh, yeah, we take her invention and produce it on a mass, on mass scale as the minimalist. At the minimalist. But you know what? It, it's like when I think about when, when uh, Josh and I first started this, like we, we hated our jobs yeah. and we were like, get us out of here. Yeah. So we came across minimalism and it helped us to kind of reprioritize where we were focusing all our resources, not just money, but time, energy, attention, all of that. We didn't go from oh okay yeah minimalism all right dude now what what are the top 20 things we can do to make money right it was it wasn't it wasn't product first and then create demand it was oh okay we're, we're gonna do a blog people keep asking for a book well shit we are the minimalists maybe we should write a book on minimalism yes. okay so then we wrote a book on minimalism right and so forth and so on that's how we've done this whole thing it's never been again cart before the horse you know yeah. cliches are a cliche for a reason uh here's my pithy answer is creations that add value will forge their own demands so it doesn't matter to you know to andrew's point, point it's like when you are doing something you love uh do it because you love it and hope yeah. to god that, that yeah hope to god that there's a demand for it but here's the thing there's over seven billion people in the world the good news is is like some of them are probably on the same page as you yeah so, so the best-selling <laughs> books uh, of any year so you you go back to last year the absolute bestsellers the books that sold the most units out of all of them the the breakaway oh my god how, i'll never be able to sell that many books reach less than two percent of the population yeah, yeah that's great oh and by the way it was years after we published that book <laughs> well now i'm talking about our books oh, oh, oh. Uh, i mean yeah. our books have never sell the the the, uh, the as much as maybe like you know these oh, seven million saying. no i'm saying the best of the best sellers barely mm, touch anything yeah 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 we yeah. We're somewhere in the middle of the bestseller list. <laughs> the 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 best of the bestsellers. Yeah, they only touch two percent of the people. Yeah, and that's actually that's good news because that means there's a market, and you don't even have to touch two percent. You can find someone that your product is for. Yeah. What's our next question, Ryan? Our next question is from Austin. How do you minimally? Wait, sorry, Austin. How do you get minimally rejected? <laughs> I, think I think it's the wrong question. Uh, it, minimally ask for shit. <laughs> Just sit around, watch TV, and rejection don't do anything. Based yeah. for what you, uh, based on what you ask for. Yeah, you know what I mean. If like you're asking, hey man, can I have a little more room in my seat? Like that's not a big thing. So even if you, if the guy says no, it's like it's not a big deal if he says no. But we we flinch as if it is. Yeah. I think that the flinch is even bigger, don't you think, if you said, hey, man, could I have the aisle seat? 
Oh uh, yeah, yeah, it, it mm. is. But it, so there, there are are degrees of flinching yes. for sure. Yes. But I think we we flinch like oh, I don't want this person to dislike me. Yeah. And, and you have mastered that because you have to get on stage every night. Yeah. And uh, you seek rejection in a way because you know occasionally you're working on new material, something that is for sure going to bomb. Yeah. Or you're going to say it the wrong way. Or maybe you just you come up after someone and the energy is different. Yeah. And you're working hard to make it your own show. There's going to be some rejection there. And I think if we avoid rejection, we avoid something more meaningful. Yeah. yeah. A- a- and uh, you have to, in a way, seek it out. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Man, that's really difficult because because of that flinch, right? Yeah, it, it absolutely is. I mean, uh, rejection is a very interesting thing. I wish I, I could sit here and say I've conquered it. I haven't conquered it. There's times where I feel, you know, some people might look at me like, "Wow, you've 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 really you know surpassed rejection. You're you're invincible because you don't care about being rejected." There's times where like I'm in an elevator and I want to ask somebody something. I'm like, let me not bother them. <laughs> Probably on some level, because I'm like, what if they have an attitude? Then I got to address yeah. this as you and this at the other. Um, I will say this though. Um, hmm. But you're having so that's funny. The elevator thing. You're having an imaginary fight with like a, head, a future yeah. version of that's yourself. You're from New York, man. It yeah. might be. <laughs> really, it really might be. It's it is. Uh, but I will say this: that um, rejection is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me in my career. Amen. It has given me my career. Everything great from my career has come from rejection. I Talk about that. that. Everything. So uh, like what? I, I made this comedy special, 441, which mm-hmm. is originally an hour-long special. And I'm sure you guys have heard this story before that I've told in the podcast. But, um, and I tried to sell it to all the networks. All of them said no. And it was the lowest time in my career. Uh, I was like, am I not doing comedy right? Like, what's going on? Why Why is the industry never opened their arms to me, never opened the doors? Like, mm-hmm. what the fuck is happening? Like, mm-hmm. I'm good at this shit. And um, I said, you know what? Fuck it. This is good. I'm going to put out a smaller version. And the reason I decided to put a smaller version out is because I would ask friends that were not comedians about comedy. You can learn so much about your own industry from asking people who know nothing about it. Mm -hmm. And I'd ask them, I'd be like, hey, you watching any comedy? They'd be like, yeah. And I'd be like, "Uh, who'd you like? And they're like, oh, I like this guy, John Mulaney. It could be anybody, right? And then I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah. What'd you, uh, you know, what'd you like about this? And I was just good, you know? And then they'd all say this. They'd go, I didn't finish it, but I mean, it was good. They'd all say I didn't finish it. Mm. I started like mental spreadsheeting that. I was like, didn't finish it, didn't finish it. Okay, so nobody's watching the whole thing. This is good to know. So I go, I'm going to put out a 15 minute special that has four of the comedy clubs instead of the five that I did and has the cab rides in between, et cetera. It's just gonna be a 15 minute comedy experience, I call it, but special. I'm gonna put it out and um, because nobody's watching the whole thing and I want to leave them, you know, the best meal is the one that you could have one more bite of, right? right? Mm-hmm. So I put it out and like that weekend, I sell out some shows in San Diego and I was like, this is so, and what's so weird is this past weekend, I was just in San Diego at the same club and I sold out the whole weekend. Nice. So it's interesting to see what's what's going on. I saw this one, I was like, I was never a sellout guy. I was like, what the fuck is happening here? And um, I was in some random, I was in Ohio or Columbus, like a place I, I don't have any draw. Yeah. And I sold like 1,600 tickets in a weekend. I was like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. And I go, okay, I'm doubling down on this content shit. And I started to put a new joke out every single week, every Sunday. And I was like, I'm gonna do this for a year, a new joke for a year. And the jokes started to go viral and my fan base started to blossom and I started to like sell out these shows and I realized, oh shit, the game has changed. 
and nobody knows it yet. Yeah. Mm. But I just figured out that it changed. So I'm sitting here. It's like finding fucking the metal in Wakanda. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the black <laughs> vibranium, not, vibranium or some oh, shit right, like right. that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, I'm holding it. I'm like, oh my God, nobody knows. And everything starts to make sense to me. I start to go, would anybody listen to anything that's an hour if you didn't know them? Like, would you listen to anyone talk for an hour if you didn't know them? Like, if somebody said, hey, man, check out this guy, Dave Johnson. It's an hour long. Watch it. You'd be no. like, are you fucking crazy? No. no I, mean, yeah. and, I mean, it would it would take some some sort of... Otherworldly. Yeah, some miracle to, to make that happen. Yeah. You have yeah. to pay me. Yeah. Right. So, and even then, I would only do it begrudgingly. Begrudgingly. You'd be upset <laughs> the whole fucking time. So I was like, oh, so specials are done. Because why would I watch a special for an hour? Why would I even risk it? It makes no sense. Yeah. So I started putting out these clips. And then what I noticed is people would watch a clip and then they'd watch for two hours. So people aren't watching your comedy special, but they get lost in my YouTube wormhole uh -huh. for double the time. Oh, uh, yeah. Because it's a digestible <laughs> bite. Yeah. And yeah, it comes one bite right at a time. That joke one was bite. good. I'll go to the next one. One bite. That one joke bite. was good. I'll go to the next Even one. Even though you're taking yeah. it, a special one bite at a time you don't know when you feel the pressure to watch an hour it's like someone jamming the pizza into your face this is just hey here's a little bagel pizza bagel <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. there you go there you go and i kept on throwing them out there and shit exploded and i started selling tickets and i would put this stuff on social i put it on instagram and i've really i really changed comedy in a way because the specials are specials are done. Nobody realizes it just yet, but specials are done, and now comics have adopted my blueprint, and I do it for them. This is not like, oh, you're copying me. Like anything I do mm -hmm. is for creators. Well, and, and I saw your, a few what two years after your special, you, Ray Romano is is doing effectively the same thing, and it's and, and it, it may, that's a compliment though, man. Right. So, here, yeah. so here's and maybe it's parallel yeah. thinking. I know I know that that uh, you know obviously comedians will go from. Yeah, the the cellar to wherever village sure. underground wherever and, and 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 do that but you were the first person to say i'm gonna take that night and actually turn it into a creation of mine i'm going to produce this into a, a a creation that we can share you know on a screen or digitally dude that what i realized about just creating in general and i'm sure you guys have had this you know same experience after doing your your podcast and, and putting out your content having success with it is like you you the industry operates with the wind so whatever direction the wind is flowing mm. they cast the sail and they go in that direction mm -hmm. mm. okay they don't dictate where the industry goes they follow it mm. right they're a sailboat mm. okay so if you want to be the motorboat you have to get underneath the water the motor the, from the motorboat is mm -hmm. underneath the water right. it's not above it yeah. and that's how it fights any current that's how it fights the wind that's about everything so for me my whole shit was okay i gotta plant the seeds and then these have to grow into the industry so did ray romano see my special and go i want to do that no i assume not mm -hmm. i always assume the best but did i make it okay for an A-list celebrity to do a special in a 150-seat comedy club? Mm -hmm. Yes, because if they pitched a network that before, they'd be like, why would you do that in this little mm -hmm. tiny club? Like, I made that allowable, right? Mm -hmm. I made that okay, because it, yeah. it, it got millions of views, so they're like, okay, this is fine. I pushed the wind in that direction, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I got the wind flowing, so everything that I'm trying to do now 
is about getting underneath and letting it grow in. Are you guys familiar with how Nescafe got into j- the Japanese market? No. no. I know we got to be quick with these, but so I'll be quick with the story. Um, so Nescafe talks to this consultant. He's like a super, you know, the most successful consultant in the world with this kind of shit like that. And um, they're like, how do we get into the Japanese market? And the guy goes, uh, eh. I looked at the culture. Uh, I looked at the people. You're not going to be able to get in there for 15 years. And he's like, what are you talking about? He goes, they have no concept of coffee. You're trying to be tea. You're not tea. They have no understanding of what coffee is. They have no memories attached to coffee. It means nothing to them, mm. right? What you're going to have to do is you're going to have to spend millions of dollars making a cartoon, make that cartoon popular. Then you're going to make a candy based on that cartoon. That candy is going to be flavored like coffee. Mm. 15 years from now, when these kids are grown up, they're going to love that fucking coffee. Wow. Go to Japan right now. Yeah. And show me, and just take a look at what they're drinking. Devouring coffee yeah. like never before. It, abs- it absolutely is. It's like this uh, the single origin pour over cold brew nitro. Like that is, you know, that kind of swept the nation a few years ago. Coffee but like, yeah, over crazy. in Japan, it's, yeah, it's nuts. It they absolutely have, is. And, and that is all, everything that I'm doing right now, that inside joke show, mm-hmm. it's fun for me because I just love talking to comics about jokes. But the, the seed that I'm growing is, Hey guys, this is how we come up with these bits. Mm. There's no reason to be offended. It's a puzzle for us. It's a game, yeah. mm. right? Yeah. Once you watch the game and watch how we put it together, then when you see an offensive joke on stage, you're not gonna be like, "How could he say that?" You're gonna be like, "Ooh, he's working on it. I see this idea. I've seen those other guys in the restaurant do it. That's probably gonna be funny in a few weeks, right?" And you're not setting out to offend people. You're also not setting out to not offend people either. That offend, you decide uh, offense, what you get offended by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, and, and, and I can't decide you should be offended by this or you shouldn't. You get offended at whatever you want. May, maybe it's appropriate, maybe it's not, but that doesn't need to go into the, the it's cancerous for the creative process. Of course. When we yeah. think we constantly, but like you said, and now we have more access than ever with social media too, like to constantly get little cancer cells responding back to us because all the time. You can't, you can't criticize someone you can't criticize art based on a malleable term right so it's like shock that's just shock value it's like yeah <laughs> <laughs> like look at any painting from the renaissance yeah it's yeah, yeah. shocking yeah that's what we do now here's the thing about being shocked you know what's shocking to uh, a muslim dude if you say jesus christ is our lord and savior mm-hmm. that's shocking mm-hmm. yeah. right you know what's shocking to a jewish guy if you say jesus christ our lord and Sa- like <laughs> this is shocking wildly shocking uh-huh. right <laughs> yeah. so it's like to say you can't be shocking is a stupid argument because you cannot define what you'll be shocked about mm. to say to a vegan you're like a uh, an omelet might be shocking mm. it's a stupid litmus test for what you can and can't say mm. that only stupid people use <laughs> <laughs> right they're, yeah. they're, it's basically people trying to frame they're trying to put like a framework on what they do because they know that they're in a safe they're like hey this is the safe space i operate in mm. and uh, anything outside of this space shouldn't be done mm. so you're, you're trying to be like you're trying to be like the nba or the nfl and be like there's only 29 teams sorry guys Right. You got to play you got to play in here. <laughs> yeah, and, and what you've yeah. realized is you no longer need the permission slip. And and Ryan and I realized this early on. Actually, let's talk we'll talk about that more on on the maximum episode. All right, I got I, let me get two two uh, tweetable answers in here real quick. The first one is Austin, if you're true to yourself, you needn't wallow in rejection. And I think 
dude, I think you're a great example of this, man. It's like you stayed true to yourself. You didn't be like, oh, I didn't sell the special. How do I need to alter this next time so I can spell that, right. s- sell that special next time? And then also, you kind of touched on it a little bit, Andrew. The power to use, I'm sorry, the power to discern between criticism and feedback will help you get the most out of rejection. Oof, bars. So you have got, ah. you have got, you have got to look at what people ah. are telling you and ask yourself, like, are these just like, are these just critics or is this valuable feedback? So I needed that rejection. I just realized it right now. Mm. I needed it because I wasn't built to lead yet. Ah. ah, like I wasn't prepared to. Li- I needed to have everything stripped. I needed to be zero before yeah. I was completely prepared to leave. Because once I was okay with zero, now I can give. Yeah, man. Plus, See what I'm saying? Plus, yeah. the blank slate is is like a beautiful place from which to create. Yes. You're not trying to say, "Well, now I'm going to do five five one part two. Right? No, that that's a chapter, and 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 you've moved past that. Uh, for the t- sake of time, I'm going to skip past our added value segment, Ryan. Uh, I'm going to skip past right here, right now, other than to say we have a bunch of upcoming podcast episodes with uh, Rachel Cruz, Ben Greenfield, T.K. Coleman, Colin Wright, and Cal Newport, the author of Digital Minimalism. Uh, he's coming in. We've done a couple events with him in the past, yeah. so uh, you'll be able to check those out coming soon. Uh, for this minimal episode, I want to say thanks to Andrew for being here and check him out at YouTube.com. Yeah, check yeah. it out. It views drops, from the Sis. Views from the Sis drops every Sunday in March. The intro I dropped, surprise, little Beyonce dropped the week before, but every Sunday in March, a new uh, a new part of it. So I chopped up the special. It takes place in four different countries. Um, there's also a tour documentary I did with it that comes out on our dropping in series. But so, where's the best place to go see that? Uh, YouTube.com slash the Andrew Schultz. Okay, every Sunday, new clip, two o'clock, and um, we're pushing it, man. I love it. We're, we are pushing it, and I think it. This first one that I'm dropping this Sunday, March third, is uh, I think is the best Trump joke ever written. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'll say. (laughs) All right. Well, we have we have several more questions. We're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about creative freedom. We're going to talk about uh, moving corporate boundaries. We're going to talk about burnout. I don't know if that's something you've you've gone through, Andrew. We'd love to talk to you about those. Also, um, so we have some questions about those. Also, I want to talk to you about content versus meaningful creations, and and how we delineate the two. And I want to talk about uh, how you've turned some of your rejection into success. And if y'all want to hear all of that, you can listen to this week's Maximal episode available exclusively on Patreon. That's right. You're currently listening to our weekly Minimal episode. But each week, Ryan and I record an entirely different long-form Maximal episode on the Minimalist's private podcast, which gives us the the private space we need to be... uh, well, a little more flagrant, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, believe it or not, it's going to get more flagrant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when you subscribe to the Minimalist Podcast on Patreon, uh, the private podcast, you also receive a personal link so our maximal episodes play in your favorite podcast app. Andrew, you got to get your Patreon subscribers onto that, man. Yeah, what is that? Yeah, yeah. So on on Patreon, what what you do is uh, once you sign up, you get a private link as a patron. Okay. Right, and then whatever podcast player you use, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Feedly, whatever it is, whatever you're using on your phone, you just paste that link in there, and it automatically downloads all the new episodes. You don't you don't have to go to the Patreon page or Patreon app. You listen to it right there on your phone. You get all the new episodes. Oh, that's great. Right there. Yeah. So if uh, if that's you're great. if you're a patron of ours, you also have access to a hundred past episodes, private episodes you can find all the details and all the good stuff over at the minimalists.com slash support 
Ryan, what else you got for us? As always, I just want to encourage people, read more and get informed. And now here are some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. Hi, this is Emily Lewis from Baltimore, Maryland, and I have a comment for the episode Reset, specifically the question on how to get alone time as a busy introvert. I am also an INFJ and crave time alone, yet have always been incredibly busy throughout my life and had trouble saying no. I didn't understand why until I read the book Radical Acceptance by Tara Brock, in which she says, Staying occupied is a socially sanctioned way of remaining distant from our pain. How often do we hear that someone who has just lost a dear one is, quote, doing a good job at keeping busy, end quote. If we stop, we run the risk of plunging into the unbearable feeling that we are alone and utterly worthless. This passage made me realize that while I wanted time to be alone, I was also afraid of it. So I highly recommend this book to everyone. Hi, my name is Cody, and I'm from Frederick, Maryland. I've always seen the professional photographers who shoot for the big news companies and blogs and all of the corporations and uh, their equipment is out of this world and they can take any picture they want and they have three different bodies and all these expensive lenses and I have my $400 camera and I have to get right to the sideline that get a halfway decent picture. But after listening to your podcast, it kind of helped me realize how I can focus on other aspects. I can focus on making sure I organize the picture and use keywords so that it's searchable in the archive and making sure that I have good communication skills to take pictures of who I need to and kind of work on everything else except for the picture itself and how my equipment doesn't really hold me back but actually helps me improve. All right, y'all, that's it for this episode. You can comment on this episode, youtube.com slash theminimalist. If you want our show notes in your inbox, sign up for our email list, theminimalists.com is the address. You just typed in your email address at the top. You'll also receive our simple Sunday emails each week. And if you leave here today with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have you gotta reach for and you gotta grab oh i bet that you'll be fine without it so tear your eyes away or tear